We're talking today to Greg Silverman, who is CEO and Executive Director of Westside uh, Campaign Against Hunger, uh, active with Roundtable and Allies for Food Access, and is also, I believe, the board chair of the um, Alliance for Hunger-Free uh, New York. But he recently wrote uh, a chapter of a new book. The book is The Handbook of Food Insecurity and Society, and his uh, chapter was titled Emergency Feeding in America, Making Words and Deeds uh, Actually Matter. So, well, so welcome, Greg, and um, maybe just start off talk. You know, if you want a little bit about your own background, but uh, you know, what was the purpose of this um, chapter that you wrote? Well, yeah. Well, thanks first for having me on today. It's nice to be here. Yeah, my background as a chef and former restaurant owner in upstate New York. I'm born and raised in Utica, but I had restaurants in Ithaca, and uh, always was at the same time as having my restaurants working on the side, trying to help alleviate hunger in, in my community. Uh, and when I did a master's in food policy, I had a great professor in uh, Martin Carraher in London. And when I, uh, he asked me to write a chapter of a book. And so we started talking about like, what, what's actually happening when you talk about fighting food insecurity in, in the United States. Now, one of the points that you make, um, you know, many people refer to food pantries and soup kitchens as emergency food programs. Uh, but at the same time, the recent sort of explosion of the express programs in the United States uh, has been going on now for four decades. So are they really emergency food programs? Yeah, no, that, that's one of the key points, right? Emergencies last days or weeks or months. On a rare occasion, you have something like a pandemic that lasts a couple of years. But emergencies don't last four decades, right? And so it's a fallacy for us to call this emergency feeding an emergency. This is a systemic issue. And there's some great organizations doing work to help people in that. But, you know, so we're always trying to look at like, what are we really doing? And what's real impact as opposed to like, gee, what makes me feel good about, you know, handing out food? Now, one of the things I had known a Westside campaign against hunger uh, before you join it was was both that it um, you know try to perhaps better address sort of uh, consumer needs and consumer rights. Uh, it sort of pioneered the supermarket style um, approach to a pantry where the customers walk around and and actually like a store you know pick up their things but also a real big I mean remember Doreen Wall real big focus on the uh, you know, sort of proper nutrition. How, you know, what are your goals um, in, in terms of how should emergency food programs, food pantries, and soup kitchens be evolving at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. On one level, right, totally. I'm so thankful to be able to run the West Side Campaign Against Hunger, often called WISCA, uh, for the last seven years. And Doreen and the folks before me, right, like really pioneered this choice model letting people have a choice of which vegetables they wanted. We've taken it at a whole different level. And I let me back up to being a chef. Like when I came to Wisca, our organization was giving out 15% of our food in the form of fresh produce. And Wisca was considered best practice anywhere. And, and for, for my work working with First Lady Obama back in Washington and as a chef who did nutrition education and on different continents, like I was in some sense appalled right it's like 15 percent. like i want half your plate fruits and vegetables and not just canned fruits and vegetables fresh so we're at 50 you know we're at 53 percent of the food we give out now is fresh produce and and it's top quality produce choice used to be really about and if you ask our customers and we surveyed them a lot and we continue to choice was about picking the product the best product because 
oftentimes pantries were giving out, uh, they had a selection of product and a lot of it was inferior, right? I want to pick a good tomato because some of them are rotten. But once we transformed our work to, you know, 50% or more fresh produce and actually purchasing more of the food, getting best quality product, our customers, and like anyone else who lives in any community, choice is way bigger than do I want kale or collards or tomatoes or oranges. Choice is about when do I want my food? Where do I want my food? How do I want to get my food? Like the choice of, you know, going into the basement of a church to pick between 10 types of vegetables is a pretty meager choice. So we've sort of taken choice and expanded it greatly and, and given it the same level of choice that every consumer should get today, not just, you know, consumers in a food pantry. One of the things you initiated in New York City, um, maybe it's larger than New York City, is the Roundtable, uh, Allies for Food Access. What, what's the purpose of this collaborative effort? Yeah, so as a, as a chef and former restaurant owner, what I always knew is that wholesale, my wholesalers were always floating prices, as we like to say, right? Like there's a tomato blight one year, so the tomato price goes up. It never goes back down. So I started, when I had my restaurant, sharing pricing with other restaurants and actually literally on, on a fax machine this back in the 90s uh i was sharing the pricing for my wholesalers with other wholesalers saying here's what everyone's tr trying to sell me this week and i people got really upset at me and but it, but they started lowering their prices and so when i got to Westside campaign against hunger i reached out to a num another a number of other food emergency food providers uh, across the city project hospitality in staten island new york common pantry and uh Upper East Side, East Harlem, uh, St. John's Bread and Life, and, and we now Met Council's a part of it and, and many others. And uh, we share data on our pricing and we use that to get better pricing, to drive down the cost of what we're purchasing. And therefore we're taking our state grants that we get say from HIPNAP or Nourish, those funds that we get from the state, city money, private sector money that we have, and we can best utilize and steward those dollars to be able to buy more product. So we want to get better and more product for our customers. And the way to do that is to drive down the cost. It's like simple business solutions. And then we realized we just started sharing best practice, not just in purchasing, but in designs of our warehouses, designs of our mobile trucks, you know, job, like how our job descriptions are laid out, like anything to share information to make our lives easier because we're off, we're, you know, we're all understaffed and all trying to do a lot of really important work. And so we have to share information. We're not in competition or, you know, theoretically, right? In my perspective, we're not in competition. We're all trying to fight food insecurity for our customers. So if someone's not sharing information, then they don't seem to be, to me, mission focused. So we just want to share information to sort of help us all advance our missions faster for our, for our community. Now, in your chapter, the emergency feeding in America, making words and deeds actually matters, part of the handbook of food insecurity and society. You finish the chapter with uh, lessons for the future, um, discussing the need to continue to break down silos, engage with the healthcare systems, and advocate for change at city, state, and federal levels. So what are some of those, you know, real life lessons you're trying to put into place or hope to put into place? Yeah, we're putting them all into place right now. I mean, you know, we work at the West Side Campaign Against Hunger uh, with New York Presbyterian Hospital Network. And, and you know, we know from a social determinants of health landscape, you know, the hospitals, uh, a client comes to a hospital for some service, turns out that 
outside of their issue that they have, that they presented with at the emergency room or with a doctor, food insecurity is high up on the list of one of the biggest things that are, that are of concern for people. The hospital wanted to do something about it. And so they connected with us. And so now we have upwards, we're piloting now, we'll be on pilot. We have over a thousand families. Uh, usually a customer comes into the hospital, whether they're a mom with a kid zero to five or a senior who's in a sort of isolated living circumstance, if they present with food insecurity uh, as, a, as an issue, we're going to get them food and we're going to deliver it to their door. And they're going to be able to choose different categories of food. Do they want alternative dairy? Do they want you know, only vegetarian protein? They're going to choose these things. It's going to deliver it in a two-hour time window. They're going to be able to track it just like they were getting like any other groceries delivered at home. And then we're going to follow up our benefits enrollment team is going to follow up with each and every person and walk through what benefits could we possibly, are they eligible for that we can help them, you know, apply for and ultimately receive, whether that's SNAP or housing or WIC or health insurance, you know, all these different areas. So we We're think we're almost a, out of time. If you want more information about what you're doing, how best can they get that? Check out wisca.org, W-S-C-A-H.org. And just, you know, the truth of the matter is every emergency food provider in this state, especially up in the capital region, is struggling right now. They need volunteers. They need food. They need cash to do their work. And they need it directly. They don't need it indirectly through some other larger entity. We need direct support. And so wherever you are, you know, support your local uh frontline emergency food provider. Uh, Greg Silverman, Westside Campaign Against Hunger. And this has been Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine.